With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blog Talk Radio. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Welcome to another episode of WIM Radio. Uh, we've been away for a little while, but we are back with a new episode for you. I am Peter, and for this episode, two people are joining me. First, Jay is here. Jay, how are you doing tonight? Uh, after that intro, I am just about as spicy as I could possibly be, Pete. Happy to be here. Having trouble staying in your seat? You want to jump up and scream? Oh, yep, yep. They gave me an entire seat, <laughs> but the only place I'm at right now is the edge of. There you go. <laughs> Awesome. Also joining us is JJ. JJ, how are you doing? 2019. Woo! <laughs> there we go. That's all awkward. right. So since the All-Star since the All-Star break, Detroit has played twice. And uh let me uh hold on, let me double check my notes here. We we wait. We we won both times. That doesn't seem right, but that's what it says here. So, um the first game uh was a 3-2 win over Toronto in Toronto, followed by a 2 Zero. Oh wait, no, not wait. No, that was in. Uh, yeah, we were at home. On. That was yeah, like okay. yeah. For for some reason, uh, for some reason, when I looked at it on the NHL thing, it, it like it, I, I read it backwards anyway, because that's why as I was talking, I was like, wait a second, no, that was at home. Yeah. So anyway, we three uh, two over Toronto at home, and then the next night we played in Ottawa, uh, and it was uh, Detroit two, Ottawa zero. Um, and uh but Suck it on, unfortunately a downside <laughs> yeah <laughs> we are doing awesome uh and yeah so first we beat a team that uh we on paper we shouldn't beat and then we beat a team that on paper we probably should beat so kind of weird uh but a downside of the win over the Leafs is that Dylan Larkin was injured and he didn't play against Ottawa but fortunately according to the latest news that we've heard so far it seems like Dylan Larkin may be back as soon as today when you're listening to this uh against the Las Vegas we tried to warn Carolina what would happen if they tried to have fun Golden Knights um <laughs> so so that's where we are so like I said we've been we've been away for a little while but we are back and uh, we're ready to talk about uh, what's been going on in uh, in Red Wings land. Um, so let's see. So first of all on our list is uh, basically finishing out the season. We have the trade deadline coming up on February 25th. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what we want to see, uh, you know, from now until, you know, around that time with the trade deadline, uh, you know, from – kind of like, you know, also the end of the season. And then what are we looking for um, beyond? Like, what are we looking for, you know, from uh, next season and even after that, right? So there's been a lot of, a lot of speculation on this front. 
uh, with some articles that have been in the news lately. Um, so JJ, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, so what are you looking for? I guess let's, let, let's kind of cut this into like short, shorter term and longer term. So let's talk about short term first, right? So what are you looking for, you know, trade deadline wise and the end of the season between, you know, between now and the end of the season? Yeah, at this point, I'm I'm willing to watch the team trade basically everybody, uh, understanding that uh, you know not not the core, not the untouchables. You know, leave leave Larkin alone. Although I I continue to be the guy of, for the right price, uh, I just sell anybody. Um, but that's kind of a self defeating thing because for the right price is is obvious. Um, right. The price yeah. for Dylan Larkin would have to be would have to be extremely high and, and unreasonable for anybody who is not a Detroit fan for me to be like, Oh yeah, that's the right price. Uh, so Gustav Nyquist, Jimmy Howard, uh, Nick Jensen. Uh, if you get anybody to bite on, like, I don't know. I don't know why anybody would trade for Trevor Daly at this point or, uh, Nick Cronwell keeps coming up and I do know why teams would trade for him because I don't get the, the confusion about that. I mean, we once traded for America Zidlicki and, uh, or Zidlitsky, <laughs> And that was a, a decently similar um, kind of a player, but I, I, but I'm also prepared to not trade him. I just want to see the team kind of continue what they've been doing in terms of here, uh, kids. This is your team. You continue to grow. I do want to see a little bit more. Like I know that Ken Holland teased. Uh, he expects Zadina to get some games in. Uh, great enjoy your nine game stint. He, we all know it's not going to be beyond that because it would be uh, incredibly stupid to, to burn that year and um, risk Zadina being eligible for the expansion draft because of it. Um, yeah. You know, get Rasmussen up from Grand Rapids when he's healthy and, and get him in a few games, start the, the defensive carousel as you will like I, I don't think they're going to be able to sell off any of their defensive veterans so uh get Heronic some more time up you know get give Sulak another look if you if you can like I don't even know how Sulak is doing in Grand Rapids right now but it just feels like I I basically if Trevor Dilly doesn't play another game for the Red Wings this season okay I'm cool with that if Nick Cronwell starts taking uh some breaks yay uh, maybe hmm. give Mike Green a day off uh you know just a, a personal day to hang out with his, his cats, Gary and banana. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, his, or his children, children, yeah. child. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing all that stuff about him, other than, his I know cat J- just real quick, yeah. just real quick. Cause, uh, cause you mentioned Shul- uh, Shulak. Uh, I think I read that he's been, he's been scratched on and off lately. So maybe he's not doing as good as we hope down there, yeah, but yeah. doesn't always, doesn't always well, mean, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. Just see more, more guys, uh, more youth, and more uh, better positioning going into the 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 off season and, and the draft. And honestly, what I'd like to see is for the team to like play really well and then just get unlucky as, as possibly can be. And it'll be obviously unlucky. So it's not like a, Oh, we suck. We're never like, it doesn't like affect the culture. Just find ways to lose every game 
in completely stupid or maybe even like referee unfair ways. Like the the entire fan base is totally infuriated with the NHL just to keep the kids that are growing uh, playing well, but also giving us good draft position. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's one of the things that. Um, and, and maybe, maybe it's a semantics thing. I don't know. I don't know. But like a lot of times in the comments, like when people are talking about like, I, you know, I don't want to tank because I don't want there to be a culture of losing. It's like, you know, like we said this before, like you can kind of have both things. You can have the team not do well in the standings and you can have the young players grow and develop a good culture together. Um, you know, if they're if they're losing because they're they're doing good things, they're just they're making mistakes. They're going to learn from, uh, and you're trusting the kids more than the veterans. And again, they're going to make more mistakes. As long as they're learning from those mistakes, as long as it's not um, making the same exact mistake over and over again, that's not productive. You know, but there's you know there's there's a way that you can do this and have both things happen. And I think. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me, but sometimes it seems like some people lose track of that um, or they kind of look at it in a different way that if you're like, you know, I really want to get a good draft position, that inevitably means that the the team is going to go backwards in terms of development. Um, but uh, so, Jay, I'm going to come to you in just a minute, but I just wanted to follow up a little bit on, on some of that because I was looking uh, at Cap Friendly just to refresh my memory on some of this stuff. And like I, I continue to be concerned about the same thing I've been concerned about for probably the last couple of years. And, you know, going into this season, um, you know, we, we got these, uh, you know, kind of uh, quotes that made people think that maybe things were going to be, you know, we're, we're going to start to change with uh, playing younger players. And we did see, obviously, you know, Dennis Chalowski has been, has been up all season. Uh, Hironic was up for a while. Um, I wish he was still up. Right? You know, I, I, I'd rather have him in Detroit than Grand Rapids. Um, but I think, you know, kind of like what you said before with the trade deadline and looking at the, the defensemen, it, it, it's tough because, you know, I mean, Mike Green probably obviously has the most value of all of them, but he still has another year in his contract. I don't think he's going to be on the market. Um, you know, DeKaiser and Erickson are going to still be here past, you know, uh, Erickson for two more seasons and I'm sorry, one more season after this one, DeKaiser for three. And I, I don't really see anybody wanting to trade for them. Like you said before, Cronwall, um, Maybe, but it, it, based on uh, quotes that we've seen recently, stories that we've seen recently, it seems pretty unlikely that the team's going to trade him. Um, it seems like the most likely candidate is probably the one I'd least like to trade, which is Nick Jensen, because uh, you know yep. this is his last year uh, under contract, and he's turned into a pretty good. I mean, I think. It, it, I don't. I don't feel uncomfortable saying he's probably a, a, a decent middle pairing defenseman on a good team. You know, I mean, maybe bottom pair, but I mean, I think he's pretty good. Like uh, lately, like when we played Toronto, um, it was almost getting annoying how many Toronto Twitter people were commenting on how good, good Nick Jensen looks and how much they want him. Uh, you know, I, I think that's that's going to be an issue. That that the one that's the most likely to get traded is the one that's. We should be keeping and building, you know, and, and 
keeping keeping on our team. Uh, but yeah, like like the thing I'm worried about, uh, continue continue to be concerned about is the thing we we always keep talking about the logjam with you know Joe Hicketts. You mentioned him before. This is his last year under contract. He's an RFA, and again, we're going to have a player going into an RFA year or you know you know going to the end of his contract. What do we have in him? We don't really know. He looked really good last year in a brief stint in the NHL. He looked not as good this year when he when he was up. But there was a you know the the defensive uh, defensive uh, blue line was largely rookies, and uh, he doesn't seem to be doing as good as you would expect down in the AHL. So what do we have in him? Like what's is he going to be a solid NHL defenseman? Is he not? Like, we don't really know. And then we have to make a decision on him. And, you know, looking at it, I mean, we're going to have a couple other people that are going to be in that position next year. Hronik, Sariarvi. Um, actually, Shulak, after this year, is going to be an RFA. Kind of same thing. What do we got in him? So that's, that's kind of what I'm worried about in terms of the defense. I think the forwards, I think we have a lot more room to, to maneuver. And I'm not as worried about that. Uh, so, Jay, what are your thoughts you know, short-term trade deadline, end of the season uh, for Detroit? Uh, Short-term, I would love to see um, basically what you guys have already said. I would love to see just more of the pipeline. And I don't know, it's weird to to look back when Blash first started. My first immediate thought was, like, I'm okay with a rookie team and an experienced coach. I'm okay with a rookie coach with an experienced team, but I really am not the most excited about rookie team and rookie coach. So that's what we've been seeing for, you know, the last three, four years here and, and seeing where it's gotten us in to now, I, I think it's time to just, to just go plaid. <laughs> I, ju- I just want to go plaid right now. I want, I want them to do like a wholesale change, like, you know, find, you know, find whatever excuse, lower body injury you can give to the entire defensive crew. Just tell Erickson, listen, we're going to tell people that you've got like a sore hip flexor or something, but in actuality, we, we just need you to just like hang out in Grand Rapids for like a month. Like just, just it's a conditioning stint. You're working out, a, you're rehabbing an injury. Just do something. I would just love to see what a, um, What's what's that famous phrase? Uh, be unpredictable to the enemy. That way, they can never figure out what you're trying to do. <laughs> so I, that's that's what I would like to see in the short term. In in terms of trade deadline stuff, um, I was uh, I, I am pleased by the play of Howard to get him to at least make probably somebody bite. I think Nyquist is obviously a prime candidate here. Um, I, I guess I'm just very curious as to. Um, how badly we want to get burned when we trade these guys away, you know, <laughs> it's, it's going to be the second we give, the second we give Nyquist to somebody else. It's like, it's like him, uh, you know, like, like Superman finally getting that well-earned ray of sunshine and then he's able to lift buildings again. So um, <laughs> I, 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 I shudder at that point, but um, I, I'm with you, JJ. I'm as far, you know, other than what's nailed to the ground, like let's, Let's go for it. Pump the tires. See what's what. I mean, Pete. Well, you, as you were saying, like everybody's like, "Hey, Jensen looks really good," and that's the point where I just wish everybody would be like, "Yeah." So for the low, low cost of Mitchell Marner, you can have him. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> granted, yes, of course, that would never ever happen because 
you know, it, it's funny how the Leafs both get what they want, but then don't know what to do when they have what they wanted. But that's neither here nor there. Um, beyond beyond that, I I honestly I honestly just want this to be this whole thing where I I know I'm like the resident. I just tie everything into a movie quote or a movie moment type person, but. Um, in Helm's Deep, when things are looking the worst, everybody just looks to the east, and there's Gandalf with a bunch of riders of Rohan, and they charge in and are able to save everybody. Uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping an Iserman thing looks like. So just I I just want pure chaos until he shows up, and then everything after that I'm 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 down. If, if, if he cleans house, if he uh, you know gives everybody basically like a tryout term, and then. You know, yes, I am proceeding on the assumption that he does come back. I'm, I am a dreamer, but um, there, there's, there beyond. I just, I don't. There was a point in this season. It was the, it was the overtime win against the Maple Leafs, the one with Larkin scored that big goal, like that really big surprise game. We were like, oh, we, we just killed the Blue Giant for a game. That's, huh? What are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> This is exciting, but what is this? What is what are we saying? So I I had a I had a friend approach me doing like, hey, how about that win? And I was like, yes, how about it? What am I supposed to think here? It's a phenomenal game. Don't get me wrong. Isolated by itself, yeah, I'm excited. But how it fits into the grandiose scheme as a whole, we should be putting forth our baseline good effort. Nothing above that. I just want competitive losses. That's all we need. I don't need, you know, I know everybody's so scared about those seven, seven to one, five to nothing. Those are, those are obviously the blowouts that everybody's scared was going to happen. But once again, I think we're racking up the most game, the most one goal games again. I think we had like top three, like last season, like it was pretty high up there and we're already up there again. So these exciting games where it's like, okay, if only we had that one shot or one guy just like took the onus and, and, and shot the puck instead of deferring to somebody else. And maybe, maybe we tie it and go to and lose in overtime, but at least we get a point. You know, those are, I am totally fine with those rather than the, all right, we're now reaching the midway point of the first half and it's a football game here against, you know, Minnesota or Nashville and whatnot. So um, yeah, short, short term, I want short term deadline. I want chaos. If, if that's <laughs> trade, everybody call everybody up. Just, just see what happens. I think my favorite part is I'm watching these games and I get to like, there has been actual real excitement. Like I don't remember a game last season where like I, I, a guy scored a goal and I was like, really like, Oh shit. Yeah. I love it. I haven't been scaring, scaring my dog and my family as much uh, as I previously (laughs) did. Um, and I've done that several times this season, and I don't feel guilty about that at all. Like I do want the the competitive losses, like Jay just said, but I go into every game like wanting to like every single individual game. I want to see the Red Wings win, and they do win, and I don't feel bad about it. And they lose, and I'm like, hey, I don't have to feel bad about this either. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You know, if we get to the end and like the Red Wings get. I don't know, stupidly hot and end up missing the playoffs by a couple of points. I'll look back and like, well, that sucks, but I'm not going to be, you're not going to be able to pinpoint a single game where I'm going to be like, boy, I wish they'd have lost that one. Nah, that's just not how I think. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Yeah, so – oh, yeah, yeah, fun fun story. Like I, I started to respond to that and realized I, I had turned my mic off because Bowie was barking for something. I don't know why. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, okay, so that's the short term. And obviously, uh, you know, we, the team's got to think about next year and beyond – um, so I was taking a look and especially, I mean, on the defensive side, this is, this is going to be, it's going to be tough because right now under contract for next year, we have green Danny DeKaiser, er, uh, Jonathan Erickson, Dennis Shalosky, right? So, you know, assuming nothing, just, just saying nothing else changes, uh, then there are, you know, two more spots in the top six. Um, you know, we have, players in the minors that probably should be competing for those spots. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, see what happens. Um, so let's see. Um, so I went to JJ first last time. So Jay, I'm going to come to you and, you know, what are you looking for, for the Red Wing, you know, for what you think could be feasible for the Red Wings to do going into next season and maybe even a little bit beyond that? I would say my biggest want and again this is just me uh i want a mascot that's what i want i want do you guys realize how painful it was to see 29 other teams get to sit on the stairs in san jose and everybody's there and the (laughs) rangers and the red wings are part of this exclusive club of just they just don't mess with having a mascot and you know maybe for a time yeah you're right we didn't really need one. The winning hockey, that was the mascot. And then we didn't really need like a physical mascot because we had Al. But, you know, now that we're in this kind of reinvention, rebuilding, looking where we want to be, trying to aspire to be the the top dogs that are currently in the league right now, I think now is the great, just the best time to just workshop something, figure it out. And the answer is already there. I think you just need to take something in the vein of gritty – and, and kind of mix in a little Davy Jones from, from Pirates of the Caribbean and, and just, like, m- make Al just this giant animated octopus who's got four limbs operating his arms and legs, and then the other four limbs are just cool little goatee beard thing. It, I, it, there's something there. I, I think that there's actually <laughs> something there, and I'm, and I'm actually currently trying to figure out a way to draw it because the, the image is in my head. It's just really hard to, to get in and out. But, yes, I, I – I, yeah. I, I, for the most part, I would love a mascot, but more to your question, Peter. Um, <laughs> the the thing I really, really want is a goaltender. A now I understand that we do have some good goalie prospects in in the line here, but if there is something that I wish that, you know, if, if I'm going to look at the Red Wings as a as as a starship enterprise, you're able to divert power to a certain function of the ship to just really get something done. I would route all resources at my disposal to just finding two top tier by whatever means necessary goaltenders and just, just figure it out. I, I'm, I I just struggle to see all these times where, Oh, Lundqvist with another amazing goal, Rene, uh, you know, Hellebuck, you know, just, I, I, I like Jimmy Howard. I've liked Jimmy Howard for a long time, but I think, while everybody's been so concerned about defense on this team, we keep forgetting about the number one defense on the team, which is the goaltender. And I want 
a maniac. I want somebody that's not going to be, you know, just straight laced, you know, hey, I'm gonna, you know, I, I stick to my system. No, I think, you know, the, the, the idiom of, I don't know if, I don't even know if idiom is the right word to describe this, the axiom, the, the, the the everyday concept that everybody's already attached to a goalie is that you have to have screws loose to be a goalie, right? And I'm looking for just a stud goaltender, so I I, I have no problem with them putting their efforts and their and their picks towards you know some defense and and some decent offense, and then you know obviously we'll you know free agency is a different beast altogether. But if there was one thing I wish that we could just reorient ourselves and just rededicate, it would be to between the pipes. Cause I just, so I just feel like so that's the the one magic wild card piece, and I thought we had it in Morazic. I honestly did, cause one of my favorite moments from him was there was a game where like we we won like three to two, and he was just like he was he just it was one of his very first stand on top of your head moments where it was like oh I think this this could be a thing, and uh, they were talking to him afterward, and he was like yeah that was fun, and I'm like. That was fun for you. You like you look like you pulled every physical ligament in your body to make the saves to secure that win. How can that be fun? I'm expecting you to be exhausted right now. You should be pissed off. He's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's fun. So that's I, I'm basically looking for Martin Riggs in goaltender form. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I'm I am I am just imagining somebody with a Belfour-ish mullet. And a guy just that does random Sudoku puzzles and binges way too much West Wing, like just this kooky dude, and he's just really stellar in that. So that's that's my that's my draft four line want prediction. Yeah, oh, man, I was going to say, so say so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got three real quick uh, responses. Um, first word nerd. Uh, Axiom does work, but I think maxim is the word you're looking for in terms of the, the okay. statement about having to have screws. Mm-hmm. Uh, I disagree about the mascot thing because of Gritty. Uh, I think we need to get like <laughs> let Gritty run his course before we try to do that. Otherwise, it's going to – like uh, you, you might as well name our new guy, uh, our, our new mascot, Poochie, if, if you're going to try it within <laughs> the next year or so. And third, I also miss – I also miss Dominic Hasek. You can admit yeah. it. That's, I agree there. Because he was like the, the gold standard for crazy, nutty, kooky, like a, you, like he's in his crease eating mayonnaise. It just, that's, <laughs> that's what you would expect. Like, oh, that's, that's Dominic Hasek. Of course. <laughs> that's what I'm and I, I do. I think that we we all in in Marazic and then like that that all fell apart, and now uh, screw that guy. But yeah, I, I do want that too. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, no, I mean it's really tough because um, it, I mean if you think you know Jay mentioned Henrik Lundqvist, you know he's one of only a handful of goalies since I've been watching hockey for decades who's just been consistently in that upper echelon. You know, for a long time, you know, for a while, everybody's like, oh, Carey Price is going to be amazing. And, and he was, but, you know, he's just been kind of average this year. Um, Bobrovsky isn't anywhere close to what he's been in the past. Um, and so, so for, like, for me, that's always the tough thing with goalies. It's, it's really hard because if you, if you sign a goalie 
to a long-term contract, even if, if when you sign them, they are, you know, let's say in the top, you know, five goalies in the league, there's, it's far from a guarantee that they're going to be there for, you know, even the majority of their contract, which, which is, which is really tough. Um, but I mean, obviously, yes, I would definitely like, uh, you know, <laughs> I would be all, all aboard having a goalie that is, uh, number one, very effective and number two, very interesting to follow. Um, so, so JJ, what else are you looking for beyond this year in terms of the roster? Man, I'm going to commit fan blasphemy based on what I've been reading from everybody else. But, like, the Ken Holland talk about wanting to make a run at the playoffs next year does not bother, surprise, or dishearten me, really. Um I don't want to see the Red Wings go all in in free agency uh, on an $11 million guy that isn't going to work out. Um, but honestly, like, I do want to see, like, perfect world, the Red Wings win this draft lottery or end up with a really fantastic kid, and next year really are looking at a team that is finally at least that one piece away. Um, Cause I, I don't think that, that we are one piece away right now, but I think that by next, by the end of next season, I really would like to believe that, that we are. And that that's something that can be filled out maybe even via free agency while we still have uh, these kids on, on cheaper deals. Like, I like I I like where we're potentially positioned for in in this rebuild cycle in order to like get moving forward to the next portion of the cycle, which is getting the kids the playoff experience and and teaching them, you know, what it's going, how much more it's going to take uh, to win, not just at the regulars, not just enough games to make the playoffs, but enough games to, or like, uh, what it's going to take to even make noise in the playoffs. Because I do not think that you're going to go from, you know, zero to the conference finals uh, in one season unless it's a flash in the pan, in which case I, I don't want to see that either. I don't want, I don't want false hope yeah. either. So um, specific player-wise, like, I, I do want them to avoid expensive free agents, like I don't want them to have to give out those the long term the long deals, um, you know. Avoid basically uh, avoid an, another Franz Nielsen, and that's it. Sucks because I I really hate like having a hate on the guy, but like I just don't like his contract. <laughs> and, in, and in oh yeah retrospect, like I just kind of wish it hadn't happened. Um, hmm. But he's he's such a super likable guy that you know I just we don't need two of him though. So. And yeah. I don't know, like, I, I guess if Carlson, like, could be had for a, a good amount, like, a, not, like, stupid cheap, you know, oh, he's, if he comes for $4 million, I'd take him. Like, maybe you consider it. That's a huge risk because he is not the one missing piece. And like I said, we, we are not one missing piece away anyway. And you're taking a huge gamble on that. But, uh I don't know. Like I, the eternal optimist in me, like would like to think that that it's possible that we could have a really exciting team going into the next season. Hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, 
I, I think it's probably I think it's probably more likely that the team takes that step maybe two seasons from now. But at the same time, I don't think I don't think that like it doesn't make sense that they could next year, depending on what happens. Um, you know, it, there's an article in NHL.com where uh, they they talked to Ken Holland, and he had a lot of quotes and. You know, to be honest, a lot of them, a lot of them made sense. They, they kind of, they, they made more sense than some of the quotes that we've been kind of seeing, you know, trickle out from the team about what they're going to do. And there's always the caveat that you can't believe everything that they say. Um, just, just for the simple reason that if they are trying to, you know, are going to have to negotiate with other teams, like let's say if they're trying to make trades, they're not going to put all their cards on the table and just be like, oh yeah, we really want to trade this guy. We really don't want to trade this guy. Um, so they're not going to make these, you know, they're not going to tell you exactly what they're thinking. Uh, they're always going to, you know, try to be a little bit coy about it, uh, which, which makes sense. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think some some of the quotes he has are interesting. We talked about the Zena thing before about he's he's uh, you know they're planning on bringing him up a little bit later, um, and and I think it was interesting because like he talks about uh, it's a section where it says on the next wave of young players, right? And so he's talking about for next year he's talking about Hronik, Zadina, Svechnikov, which I feel totally bad when I was thinking about the team today to get ready for this. I completely forgot that Sveshnikov exists, which I feel terrible for because I like him. Uh, but he's just you know, yeah. he's been out of mind for so long. Uh, and it's – I mean, obviously, if he if he can live up to the potential that he has, then, yeah, he's going to be a, a nice piece, I think. Um, but then he also says, uh, I think we got some players that are just a step below. And then he says – like, he doesn't mean that they're not going to be good players. He just – in his opinion, he thinks that they're – not going to be ready for next year, but maybe the season after, two, two years from now. And he includes uh, Joe Valeno in there. He includes Jared McIsaac, uh, Gustav Lindstrom, who's playing in the Swedish League, uh, top four. Uh, he's playing a top four position over there. And then, you know, like I said before, I mean, there's other players too. Uh, you had mentioned, uh, JJ, you had mentioned Shulak. Uh, the one who always seems to be left out is, is Sari Arvi. And I don't want to, you know, make this sound hyperbolic. I don't want to be too dramatic about this, but I really think that, you know, based on what I know about Sariarvi and what a lot of people who seem to know what they're talking about have said about his potential, I'm really worried that we're going to end up in the same position that we're going to be with Joe Hicketts this off season, where it's going to be time to make a decision on him and we're not going to have enough information to make a good informed decision. Um, hopefully I'm wrong about that, but I mean, I don't see his, like, I never see his name mentioned, you know, he's never in the list of people that they're talking about. Um, I mean, maybe sometimes, but pretty rarely. Um, and then he also makes the point that, you know, whoever is, whoever we draft in the first round, especially if it's going to be, you know, top two, top three. I mean, a lot of the times those players come right into the NHL, uh, but it's not unheard of, you know, like we saw with Zadina, who was going into the draft was, you know, projected to be third. And, you know, he, he didn't come right into the NHL, which is, again, not bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to be really interested to see what Joe Valeno, uh, what Joe, Joe Valeno looks like next year in training camp because he's continuing to destroy the queue this year. Um, his production has trailed off a little bit, but I mean, he's still putting up ridiculous numbers, which of course doesn't always translate. Um, 
obviously had a very disappointing World Junior Championships, didn't really get to play very much. Um, and so, so it's going to be interesting to see how he rebounds from that because he looked really good this year in preseason and training camp. Um, so I think he might end up being ready for next year, but, but maybe not. Um, yeah. So no matter what, there's, there's lots of decisions. Uh, one of the things that I don't, I, f- I forget if, I don't think we specifically talked about this. I know we mentioned him uh, is the, the Cronwall situation with him being close, uh, not close, close. He's like 70 something games away, but being relatively close to being one of only a handful of players who played a thousand games for Detroit, um, which obviously, you know, considering all he's done for your organization would be great. But at the same time, it's going to depend, you know, it depends on a lot of things. It would, it would mean signing him again next year. And that would mean taking up another roster spot, assuming that one, you know, assuming we don't move somebody else out. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Who knows how much of this is, is uh, smoke and mirrors. Who knows how much of this is actually going to happen. Um, so in a minute, we're going to move on to uh, a story uh, from outside the Red Wings that could definitely have some really big impact in, uh, you know, maybe the Red Wings being able to acquire another piece in the near future that we that might not have been possible before. But before I do that, is there anything you guys wanted to talk about specifically with the Red Wings that, that uh, we didn't talk about? Nah. Nah. <laughs> I wanted to make a joke. Good, really sorry, Arby's really oh, yeah. easy to overlook because he's short, but uh, <laughs> we got Joe Hickett. He's <laughs> even shorter than he is. So <laughs> the only thing I wanted to add was every time you guys say the and then insert a player name and situation right after, I just immediately replay the Bonnie situation in my head, and it's very fun. So <laughs> if you got if you guys ever get down on talking about whether or not hockey teams can just stop screwing around and be better. Just, just replay the Bonnie situation in your head. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. So the, um, the, 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 uh, the, the development that I had uh, mentioned before is Austin Matthews has signed uh, a new contract and I had all the details up. I don't know what I did with them, but I will pull them up right now. Uh, so, this is going to be this is this is really interesting um, because there was I, I actually I, I think I saw well I did see a quote from him where he said that they had talked about any you know they had talked about anywhere from three years to eight years and that's a it's a pretty wide range uh, he ended up signing for five years and uh, the the annual average annual value of the contract is. 11, just over 11 and a half million, um, which is 14.6% of the current uh, salary cap, right? Connor McDavid is at 16.67% of the salary cap, but uh, Jack Eichel is 13.3, right? So Matthews definitely came out better here than, than Eichel did. And the thing that a lot of people are really interested in, well, actually, there's a couple of things. Um, one of the big things that people are interested in is that he's – the first player I can think of in a while to be in that situation where he's like a, a top player who, you know, now has the ability to sign a long-term contract who didn't sign for seven or eight years. It seems like maybe I'm not thinking of somebody, but it seems like the, the standard for a, a while has been that these players sign a max deal. Um, so he was able to, 
he only gave up one year of unrestricted free agency. So when he when this contract expires, he's going to be 26, which uh, means he's going to be in the market for another big contract. I know uh, Jay, you and I, when we talk to uh, Chris Watkins, he's he, he he's always talking about um, you know the 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 gi- giant difference between the NHL and the NBA. In that the NBA, uh, you have their their top players are taking like one year deals or two year deals, you know, so that next year they can get even more money. Um, and obviously, especially in in hockey, where the the risk of injury is greater, you're you're losing out on the uh, you know the, the the knowledge that if you get hurt, you know, you have this this contract, as opposed to if you take a one year deal and then you get hurt and now who knows you might have given up tens of millions of dollars that you could have had otherwise. And so, so it's going to be interesting to see if this changes the game. Uh, and then the other thing, and this always makes me laugh because I know that Gary Bettman, I forget if he's like specifically told teams this, or if it's kind of just been like passed through the grapevine that he gets, he really hates it when these players take uh, these uh, you know, when when they structure their contracts so that it's uh, the majority, in this case, 93% of Austin Matthews' salary is going to be paid in signing bonus. So I guess it's not technically salary. It's, it's a signing bonus for 93% of it, right? So that means that if there's a lockout, he is going to get the vast majority of his money, um, whereas other players who don't have these giant signing bonuses are not. So... That, if it makes Gary Bettman angry, it makes me happy, uh, mostly. But um, uh, so, so Jay, how do you think how do you think this is going to affect the you know just kind of the general salary situation? Um, but then you know, does it seem like this might change the ability of the Red Wings to maybe target a young player that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to? Let me lead off by saying that. The whole idea that this is now becoming a situation where it gets to be a, a framing of that tweet where it's like, uh, you know, Gary Bevan says, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're going to do th- – this is how we're going to do – we want you guys to be proactive and, and get maximize your value. And then it's in parenthetical, Austin Matthews gets 93%. And then it says, no, not like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that there's um, – Obviously, the, 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 the stick that's in uh, Gary Bettman's craw is that um, if he's going to lock out, sorry, when he's going to lock out, um, <laughs> he wants to obviously dictate the terms and the rate in which events happen. And if, I don't know, I, granted, I know everybody doesn't have that contract going into whatever the next negotiations are supposed to be. But, you know, I think that sets a precedent for listen if the league is going to continue to dangle these work disputes over the players heads I mean it's absolutely prudent of them to figure out ways in order to take care of themselves and maintain their value um, in ways that the league obviously isn't uh, in 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 the best interest of trying to to get so um, absolutely I think this is a phenomenal deal to exist now um as you said in our wonderful mailbag it is not it is not team friendly (laughs) but i think that there's something to be said for how yeah absolutely it can change the the landscape a little bit here and um i would uh a long time ago my dad uh 
came up with his one of his favorite repeatable sports theories is that uh, um, every player should just sign one year deals. You know, just <laughs> every, every season. Like, think about how much fun that would be, right? Everybody starts from scratch, and then there, and then think of it not as you know free agency day. Think of it as free agency week. You know, every day, you know, the, oh, the Red Wings announced ten signings. You know, like just just an absolute madhouse. But it'd be entertaining. But you're also able to give you know the, the sometimes the players obviously are able to get their worth more if they're able to. I don't know. It, it, it's so tough to, to see what your value is, especially with how the market is dictating. Look at what's happening with baseball right now. Two of the top players in the game are still unsigned because of, of, of money issues and whatnot. So I'm, I'm so excited that maybe hockey can actually have a ripple effect somehow <laughs> to like mm-hmm. actually, you know, try and find value, but also, um, you know, screw up the, the, the status quo. I, I want this to be a deal that looks around and that the Red Wings, but also Arizona, uh, Vancouver, Florida, um, uh, you know, Ottawa to an extent that maybe that, you know, Hey, maybe they have a chance to still kind of be in the, in the thick of things. But um, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, I think we're all misreading the obvious uh, question here is uh, Matthews is, I think Matthews did what maybe McDavid should have, which was, I will sign this deal. I will give you your chance. And if you blow it, I will be out of here like like wily freaking coyote. You will only be able to talk to the dust cloud of where I was once standing once this deal is done and you guys haven't figured it out. So I think Matthews is just – this has to be a – a win for him on so, so, so many levels. And I hope he's called all of his friends and I hope everybody watches to try and do something similar. <laughs> so, so JJ, I know when, when McDavid signed his contract, I know we, we talked about um, our shared opinion that he should have tried to get as much money as possible. Um, so, you know, so what are your thoughts on this, uh, this Matthews contract? And then, you know, also, uh, kind of the ripple effect that it could have going forward. It seems like it's going to have. Yeah, it's funny because, like, the Matthews contract is, like, I don't think that there's anybody who who earnestly believes, like, he's not worth that deal. Like, that is a that is a deal that he absolutely ought to live up to, and, and it makes a lot of sense. And it's basically market value, which is really weird for a guy who signs a, a, an RFA deal. But I think the more you look at it, the more it kind of vastly highlights like where the difference is between the really like elite outliers and the rest of like the the kid schlubs and where their um where their ability to really put the screws to teams are because you know Athanasi was held out and he ended up getting a you know basically it's still a pretty team friendly deal and then William Nylander held out and he ended up with a deal that wasn't quite as team friendly but there wasn't like that entire time he was offer sheet eligible and just did that didn't happen. Now, after Matthews, there is going to be the, the Mitch Marner offer sheet danger, but that's only really because of Matthews. Like, and 
the Leafs were not in a position where they could have allowed uh, Austin Matthews to hold out. He absolutely would have gotten an offer sheet. But that is basically the level of player, and there are so few of them that come along where he truly has that kind of leverage. And it is kind of a weird situation with Toronto based on the timing of this, where it kind of like, it's going to trickle down to give Mitch Marner more leverage than he would have. But on outside teams, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced that this is a, the, the tip of the spear in terms of, of really good kids being able to get these kind of, the well, I'm not going to have to give up AAV, or I'm not, or you're not going to get to buy extra UFA years from that, uh, because that's how good I am. Uh, I just, I think that Matthews is is exceptional, and and that's essentially where why that came down. So, uh, I'm not expecting things to change too much, but I am really, really hoping that um, that Marner does end up getting an offer sheet. Just because I'm, I just want to see teams go to war. Like I want to see GMs <laughs> like really, really hold, starting to hold grudges against one another and and doing things that like I want moves like that to be like is that a is that a petty move or is that a hockey move? Like did <laughs> did Dubas do that because he's he's upset <laughs> with the, the guy or is like he's actually trying to make his team better? Or is he trying to make the other team worse? Uh, just because that's more entertaining. Yeah. Can I just no, say absolutely. that I mean, I'm really excited? Yeah. JJ, I'm really excited because you actually already gave the pun headline for what happens when he leaves. Deciphering the after Matthews. Oh, genius. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really upset that uh, in retrospect that, that Connor McDavid signed for so long because I'm going to have to remember my headline for when he finally leaves uh, Edmonton, which is going to be McJesus Walks. So <laughs> got to wait for that. That's, that's going to – I, I guarantee just, you I will forget huh. it by the time it happens. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I, I was going to mention this before, um, but one of the fun things uh, – and, and by fun, I mean – uh, something that can both take up your time and also alter your mental state. Uh, things that you that uh, fans of teams who are not in playoff contention can do is go to a little website called Tankathon, and they can simulate the draft lottery. Um, and this is, like I said, this can be both fun, infuriating, and uh, kind of ruin your day. But I I did this before the episode, and. Um, I'll give you the good news first. The good news is that in the simulation I did, the Detroit Red Wings went up two spots to pick second overall, which is awesome, obviously. The bad news is that first overall was the Anaheim Ducks who who, who jumped up four spots. So Aww. if that happened in real life, uh-huh. imagine how infuriating that would be, like to, to get kind of like the one-two punch of like, hey, we're, hey, we're picking second. Oh, they're picking first. God damn it. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, it would be hilarious because uh, if that were to happen, uh, obviously based on the standings as of, as of right now, uh, that that uh, that that pick that Colorado has from Ottawa would drop from first all the way down to fourth, which I think would be very funny. But yeah, so uh, so so draft lottery is uh, is 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 pretty. It's it's a cruel mistress, I think we can say, uh, because the chances of you know, depending on where they finish, the, the chances of Detroit falling 
are greater than the chances of Detroit rising, which is not great. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. So uh, here, before we, uh, before we go to uh, the segments is listed as extra rant time, which I'm really interested to see what's going to happen there. Um, <laughs> we can talk a little bit about the, uh, about the playoff picture. We can talk a little bit about um, what the standings are looking right now. You know, what teams we think are going to hold on to maybe those final spots, which teams we think are going to, uh, to fall. So I'll take this first uh, in the East right now. Uh, the teams that are the closest that are on the outside looking in, we have Buffalo and Carolina, who are both three points out of a out of a wild card spot. Um, then we have Philadelphia and the Rangers are seven points and nine points respectively. And of course, they could make up that ground, but for for me, I'm just going to say that I think Buffalo and Carolina are the teams that could could jump back in. Um, I don't know about you, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Carolina. I am rooting for Carolina. As uh, a sometimes contrarian, uh, the more angry that the hockey men get about the Carolinas goal, uh, the the wind celebration, the storm surge, uh, that gives me life. And I would just like to see that continue into the playoffs. I would really like to see what happens if they win a playoff series, because um, that's going to be fantastic. Um, but then uh, taking a quick look at the West. Let's see. St. Louis and uh, actually, yeah, the West is crazy. Okay. So Vancouver right now sits in the second wild card spot with 54 points. The last place team in the West, Los Angeles is six points out. And then you have, going up, you have Anaheim, Chicago, Edmonton, and Arizona are all three points out. Colorado is two points out and St. Louis is one point out. Dear God. Um, I honestly don't even know what I want here uh, because it's hard for me to say I want Colorado. Uh, it's hard for me to say I want St. Louis. Um, I guess I I kind of want Arizona to make the playoffs, kind of like the same reason with Carolina. I think that would be fun. I think that would be interesting. Um, so I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, JJ, let's go to you next. Like, what do you what are you thinking as the uh, the playoff picture kind of starts to shape up here? I'm looking at the standings right now, and I'm kind of, like, not necessarily amazed, but it's, it's funny to see, like, literally every single playoff team in the Eastern Conference, it's, as of right now, has a positive goal differential, and every non-playoff team has a negative one, and that's just yeah. funny. And in the West, it's it's basically the same way, except the wild cards. Uh, there actually aren't enough positive differential teams in the West to make up for that. Um, Colorado is currently at a, at a zero, and they're out of the playoffs, whereas Minnesota and Vancouver are both have negative goal differentials and are in the wild card standings. But that's that's funny to me. Uh, I, I think it's funny that you were talking about you know Anaheim jumping us in in the the draft lottery thing. And if they keep going the way they're going, uh, they might not need to, to rely <laughs> on, on luck ahead of us. And they, they've lost five in a row. Like, man, Randy Carlisle sucks. Uh, <laughs> but I really enjoy, I really enjoy Anaheim suffering. Um, in terms of the Western conference, I think if the, if things ended today, I'm totally okay with the way the the standings go. Like I kind of don't care if St. Louis makes the playoffs. 
Um, you know, you could drop. I w- I would actually rather drop Minnesota out of there than than Vancouver, just because I I don't like Minnesota hockey fans. Um, I don't really like Vancouver hockey fans either, but uh, it's funnier to watch the Wild fans suffer. Uh, I do not want Colorado to make the playoffs. Screw that team forever. Uh, salt the earth. Uh, Arizona, I'm, I would be okay with Arizona made the playoffs too. Uh, it's just that raises the possibility or the, the chances that like that's going to get credited to uh, Jacob Chikrin, and I hate that guy's <laughs> name. I hate his face. I hate his history. I root against him and only him. Uh, I do not want Edmonton to make the playoffs. I want Chicago to get really close to the playoffs so that they don't end up winning the Hughes lottery. Because if that happens, uh, I may actually take a year off from hockey to be to be totally honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, hell, Los Angeles climbing out of the basement to make the playoffs would be, would crack me the hell up too. So uh, let's go <laughs> nuts in the West as long as the teams that I hate uh, end up with bad things happening to them. And in the East, really, the only thing I'm I'm rooting for there outside of like what's already like I, I totally agree. I want Carolina in the playoffs. Uh I want uh Toronto and the Islanders to meet in the playoffs at some point. I don't care which round it is. And I want Ottawa to get really, really close to the playoffs or even potentially go hot enough to make the playoffs, which isn't gonna happen. They're eighteen points out right now. Um, yeah. I just don't want that I don't want that first round pick going to uh, Colorado being a good one, so uh, screw them. Yeah. No, I, 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 I it's hard to argue with any of that. So, uh, uh, awesome. So, uh, Jay, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you looking at? I'm, I, 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 I'm glad that we're all in agreement that Carolina in the playoffs has become now a moral imperative. We must protect them <laughs> at all costs. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's the classic, uh, uh, Palpatine meme. Good, good. Let the storm surge flow through you. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I just, I, I, I just want more of it. I forget, I forget who who said it. I forget the tweet, but they're saying like, you know, yeah, you laugh now, but it's going to be funny when when the Hurricanes clap you off the ice after a first round uh, playoff series win. And I'm like, oh my god. Just, oh man, just that that gif of the white suburban mom looking out the window, just getting increasingly more pissed, and then tearing off the drapes. <laughs> if we could just if we could just have that happen in real life, but in the form of a of a GM, like everybody's talking about, like oh, at the All Star Game, we we have these new innovations of of different feeds showing player tracking data. I, I I need a GM tracking data during the course of a playoff series. It's like oh, what, what's this? It's oh, it's 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 showing it's showing Dubas in the bathroom right now. What's what's going on in there? Oh, he's throwing up. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's that's great. Um, so yes, that I, I want I want Carolina to make to make things happen, and I think they can yeah. do it. I think given where they're at right now, that's just okay. The disparity between the Eastern and the Western Conference. I I know our our rate of play is in no way guaranteed with our team right now. But you look at the situation, it's like, why did we leave? Did were ten o'clock games really that bad? Did yes. did we really did we <laughs> Okay, all right, fine. Fine. Just, just look look looking looking at where this is at, four teams are 
tied with only being three points out of, of catching the Canucks. And it's, and it's less than 60, less than 60 points is, is uh, just keeping you in the race right now. And that's, uh, it's, it's bunkers. So whatever's happening in the West, it's, it's, it's unlawful. It's unsettling. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to, what to believe. And it's, and it's so weird because these are teams with some talent isn't like, I know like teams suck, but like they have some talent. And so if you have some talent and they're in that position, you'd think that one of the guys would just be like, Oh, let me just take a look at the standings. Oh, okay. So you just need to go on like little three game, little three game streaks here. And we're, and we're right back in this thing, but nobody wants to do that. No, everybody's just stuck in neutral. It's, it's hilarious. Um, as far as like the East goes, I I'm I'm enjoying everything that's happening for Tampa because I think if Tampa wins the cup that hastens Eisman's departure all the more. So uh go Tampa. <laughs> Win that cup. It's it's like it's like winning the cup was like this weird soul pact that, that Eisenman signed when he went down there. It's like, hey, until they win the cup, you're stuck here. So maybe he's like kind of preparing for um um on the inevitable here. Um I think there's something really awesome. I'm JJ. I'm right there with you. I want a Leafs Islanders uh, matchup so very badly. <laughs> I think that would be just tr- just just tremendous fun, right? And that again, that's where my GM tracker uh, s- uh, simul feed on uh, the NBC Sports app. That's that would just come a tremendous tremendous <laughs> handy. Um, I don't know. I don't. I I think we, fellas. I think we we. I think it's safe to say we have a different cup winner this year, right? Like Washington is just kind of, kind of bleh right now. I mean, yeah, they're 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 second in their division and they're producing, but like I I don't know. I'm, I, I'm some something is tugging at my at my precognitive gut saying that we are going to see a first, a, a, either a first or a very seldom winner this year and I'm and I I'm just excited as to how we're going to get there. So if that's a Tampa Bay uh you know Sharks final, if that's a you know another a, a screw it a, a Flames Canadians final. I don't I don't care. <laughs> I just I think it's going to be fun. Man, I uh I mean, you know, today today Nashville traded for uh Cody McLeod, who Corsica has as the worst ranked skater in the entire NHL. So you never know that that could be the trade that puts Nashville over the top. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, as, you, as you were talking, I realized what I want to see when, uh, if, if and when Carolina wins a first round playoff series, is I want them. To, I want to see them because you said you know you want to see them clap clap you off the ice. I want to see them do a full run through of the musical stomp. Right, that's what I want to see. <laughs> Garbage cans playing the drums. I want to see that. Um, all I, all I would watch the whole thing. The tunnel. <laughs> arranged in a tunnel yeah. like a, like a wedding ceremony just like clapping like yeah. and, and make sure it's at on, on a one old arena where you have to exit on the opposite end of the ice so you grab your water yeah. you're grabbing your helmet you're grabbing your gloves from the bench and you're skating and there and there's justin williams two trash cans and tops in hand like symbols just going like thank you nice try coming up uh, oh boy all right so um so JJ, you put in the rundown ex- extra rant time, and you said rest assured I'll probably be ranting at some point. So I don't know if you have something saved up. I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know what's going on with this segment, but uh, so so what do you want to do for this one? Man, I did. I had something, and then I kind of spent more time realizing that um, I sh- I shouldn't be like doing it. Uh, and <laughs> this is also weird because I've I've got I've I've got the the you know the two fellows from from for sure on, and basically what I want to take this time to say is go listen to the latest episode and what Cat Silverman has to say about the Pierre Maguire situation. Um, and that's all I want to say about it, because essentially what I would be doing in this rant would be a guy repeating what a woman has already said. And then like suddenly magically like, Oh, of course now, now we realize what, what is, what has been going on. Now I get it because it had to come from a guy's mouth and that's fucking stupid. So go listen to what Kat Silverman said. She nailed, she hit the nail directly on the head in regards to how that situation played out, why it was as bad as it was, even if McGuire was not malicious in his intent with what happened. And if you don't get it from there, then you're just fooling yourself. So just go listen to that and uh, I'm done. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I, I looked it up cause I wasn't sure if that was going to come up, uh, maybe in like a reader question or something. So I looked it up and if you go to the latest episode, it's right around the 36 minute mark. I mean, the whole interview with, with her is really good. Uh, but yeah, if for some reason, if you, you know, if you don't have a lot of time, you just want to jump right to that. I think it's right around the 36 minute mark of that. Um, let's see, Jay, Jay, do you have any, any rants in you before we get to reader questions? Um, I I would say my mini rant is um, seeing uh, uh, there was there was a jersey toss. I'm sure you guys saw this in Edmonton. Uh, I think was mm-hmm. it yesterday, day before. Okay, jersey toss. Okay. Um, need I remind you, the fans, that uh, in no way is that act or display supposed to mean more than you already paid the money for that (laughs) you already paid your way into the cult and by throwing your club paid for (laughs) sweater onto the ice okay so like yes that's your okay your your i don't know i i guess i'm just trying to figure out how to rank that in the in the pantheon of fan protests because other fans burn jerseys, cut them up, tear them up, do do something. I feel like, I don't know. Do you think it's time that maybe fans have their own players association type uh, uh, group where they just like, yeah, the NHLPA comes out every year. Like, Hey, these are the rules that have been changed. And these are the things that are for proposal that will be implemented. But like, wouldn't it be nice if there was just like a, like a follow-up, Kind of like a in, a in a response to the State of Union type address from like the fan players association, like the fan union goes going like, hey, so we um we all got together and we decided that um if you're if if you guys suck this year, uh, we're only going to throw water. We're not going to throw beer this year. We're just going to throw water. So um <laughs> I'm I, I I guess in the scheme of things, the 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 point I'm trying to make is that um I think there are far more creative and fun ways to. Uh, notify your team of uh, your di- your disdain and your dis, uh, dissatisfaction with the product that's on the ice. Um, 
One of those being one of the options being uh, don't go, <laughs> don't go to the games. Uh, that's usually a pretty good one. Um, rant about it on, on on Twitter. Write your newspaper. There's there's literally fun fundamental fun things that you could be doing other than throwing what I assume is a very valuable layer of warmth. You're in Edmonton. Why are you throwing valuable clothes? I mean these are I mean even if those are the replica jerseys that you're throwing on the ice there. It's that temperate technology that's built into the replicas now, too. That stuff keeps you warm. Why are you – you're hurting yourself more is what I'm getting at. So I, I, I understand you're going through it a bit, Edmonton. I really do. Um, it just it sucks to have the best player ever and just nothing happening. It does. I, I, can, I can identify with that. Just I think, you're, I think there's more things you could be doing with your time. So that, that's, that's my yeah. right. Yeah, I um, – so – I'm. I don't really have a rant, but I did. I did want to put something in this uh, in, in, into here because uh, you know, first of all, we have we have time because we we don't have a, a ton of uh, reader questions this this uh, episode. But uh, you know, we we don't have a, a positivity corner, and there's something that I wanted to share that I think is is kind of a, it's it's kind of a good cross between a rant and a positivity corner is that. Um, one of one of my favorite things that I've seen on Twitter in quite a while, um, both because of the idea, the execution, or I guess all because of the the idea, the execution, and then the the response to it, has been evolving wild is doing a um, a a uh, I, I guess you call uh, yeah like a bracket of the. 98 to 2005 post grunge new metal hard rock best of the worst Twitter poll. Um, so, for example, you got uh, uh, you know, for example, reading down, uh, you have, uh, and this is not in in the in the actual order. You have corn, saliva, three doors down, Hoobastank, Evanescence, Drowning Pool, POD, Disturbed, Papa Roach, Nickelback, Limp Biscuit, Puddle of Mud, Creed, Kid Rock, Godsmack, and Stained. So basically, it's 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 uh, like the best of the worst. And I think this has just been really funny, and especially because today is the the semifinals, and we have the one four matchup between the one seed of Corn and the four seed of Evanescence. And Evanescence is right now is up fifty one percent to forty nine, and people are losing their mind, which <laughs> I think is hilarious, um, because like in that whole group, I think there's maybe a handful of songs that I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, in, in the other bracket, uh, Papa Roach is beating Creed. I, I I think that's definitely going to be one of those like whoever wins we all lose uh, situations. <laughs> but right now I'm pulling for Evanescence to win just because it seems to make people the most upset. And uh, I've I've discovered that even though I don't really do it myself anymore, I do sometimes take joy in people being angry on the internet at something. Um, although it, it is it is a very rare occasion. Uh, and, and this is definitely making me very happy, um, and it's something that people are ranting about, so I think it kind of ties both of those together. All right, so the last segment we have for today um, is reader questions. So as always, we're going to throw to JJ to MC those. All right, so let's see what we got. Excellent. All right, so uh, we'll start off with a really easy one. T. Jetski asks, since you used the tires photo, what are your predictions for the 2019 F1 season? You guys I will watch none of it. 2019 F1 season. Okay. Jay. I I don't care. Like it, I I don't mean that to be a jerk. Like if people like it, that's awesome. It's just it's not for me. 
Well, um, I'm I'm actually really glad they asked this because you know I've been I've been really concerned about how red how competitive Red Bull is going to be uh, having signed with Honda, but I, I'm pretty sure that's going to settle itself out. Um, I, I I'm actually really excited about uh, the fact that um, they're, uh, they're they're looking at uh, doing more overtaking in F1 this year. Um, I, I guess there's this thing called the Blade Runner prediction about having hover cars for F1. So um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what that technology could do for the sport. I know I, I mean, I'm already an F1 maniac, so this is, this is actually phenomenal news, but, um, for my money, I would say the most thing that's concerning me about this F1 season is if, uh, Fernando Alonso can, uh, can win with McLaren for the Indy 500. I think he's, um, you know, obviously got a tough field to, to, to move up through, but you know, he's had strong showings in the last couple of years. So it's uh, I think it's important for him to obviously start out of the gate strong. And um, yeah, I can definitely see him there um, uh, holding the cup in uh, victory lane. So those are my thoughts. All right. And uh, me being a resident of tornado alley, I'm rooting against the F ones, uh, even though they are the weakest category. Um, <laughs> definitely don't want any F fives either. Uh, I do have a prediction. F zero season. <laughs> will win again. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, next question from Random Letters. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. J-H-D-S-H, <laughs> whatever. If you had to choose one, which is the better philosophy and why? Overvaluing vets or overvaluing prospects? I, I'm i going to go with overvaluing, overvaluing prospects because it's typically less expensive. You can typically get rid of them easier. I think you're um, correct. <laughs> uh, I, I, just because I like going against the grain on on most of these, because <laughs> yeah. I like I like I like good public debate. Uh, I like overvaluing vets because of how mad it makes everyone. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a great philosophy to have, and um, if if a vet is going to earn a tremendous amount of money. You know what it does is it actually makes you appreciate overvaluing prospects more. So in reality, my stuff is right too. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, I think that if you're, uh, I think that if you're a team like Detroit, overvaluing prospects is is more important. Uh, there is a, a a case to be made for overvaluing vets if you are already a contender. Uh, but we're not, so screw the teams that are. Yep. Next up, we have uh, Skill and Larkin, uh, Zadina in 2020, who asked a lot of the stuff we already answered. So I'm going to skip and pick and choose one of these. Uh, that's basically the biggest question I have is what would convince a prime defenseman to come to Detroit via free agency? And uh, money is yes. definitely the number one answer to that. Um, the, there is a case to be made for the original six franchise being the cornerstone that brings Detroit back to glory. Uh, obviously, you know, your mileage may, mileage may vary on that, but like the the whole concept, like, Oh, why would a guy want to sign with us? Loser team and loser city and loserville. There's a lot of good reasons for it. And, Mm. Like, you know, why would Eric Carlson want to come to Detroit? I don't know. Daniel Alfredson really liked it here, and those two are really great friends. And there is that history of, uh, you know, Sweden-friendly and 
yes, money talks, and uh, somehow Steve Eisman has had a lot of good luck with uh, with getting guys to sign. Now, obviously, there's the no no tax in Florida. It's a really nice place. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. Whatever. <laughs> shut up. Um, but yeah, I don't. I I do believe that there are things that are are maybe stacked against Detroit in terms of you know if a guy's got a his his choice of wherever he wants to go, but it's not a stupid consideration that a defenseman would actually come here. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think, I mean, I, I, I think it's more, more difficult or it's more a problem of there not being a lot of defensemen that fit that bill and you're all fight, you know, a lot of teams are going to be fighting for the same small group of people that are really going to be able to come in and make a difference. I think that's that's probably more of a problem, I think. Honestly, I'd like to see what teams have in their in their pitch books. You know, like what cuz like JJ said, yes, money at the end of the day. <laughs> the, the number of zeros attached to another number is going to heavily <laughs> influence your decision, but you know, I'm I'm very interested to see what team pitches are. You know, especially in light of the whole Blake Griffin situation when he when he signed his like super deal with the Clippers and they invited him to Staples Center and there was already a banner, you know, Clipper for life. And I was thinking like, you know, do do other sports do that? Do they have like, you know, some some little pomp and circumstance? I know the 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 only stuff I've ever heard with the Red Wings is when like the players are proposing to their girlfriends because like. Like Applicator was just like, hey, I need the Joe for a night, and he proposed to his girlfriend. Like that's, like that's cool. That's some like neat pull out the stop stuff to show that you're worth something and enable all that. But you know, I like we said, Pete, if 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 the contract situations are are changed either with what the fallout from what Matthews does or with what happens in the next CBA negotiation, um, I think that there's I think there's something to be said for Detroit specifically being a in a mostly temperate climate. It's not always too cold. It's not always too hot. I think it's a actual model hockey city for uh, for reasons that we've obviously said forever and ever and ever. So they've already got that going for them. I think the big plus right now too is that we have a premier venue. You know, like we're not. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've covered a game at the Joe and uh, media personnel and players alike unprompted it's just like someone coughed and they're like you know this place is a dump right (laughs) so it's like okay we get it but with this brand new building now i think that's i think that's another ace in the hole to to go on here but i i would say if detroit is pitching somebody i think history is history just as much as money are the things that'll woo somebody here and you know, Pete, with what, how recently we've talked about, you know, the whole discussion with Keith Gabe and and Fedorov turning down the money and stuff. I'm I, I'm again, I'm curious as to what a Chris Illich pitch looks like right now, what a Ken Holland pitch looks like right now with with where they're at. Of course, you can always deal with from a position of power because it's like, listen, I got the cups under the belt here. I'm running a pizza franchise that's taking the world by storm. You know, I'm offering you the golden key here, bud. Like, why are you saying no to me? Whereas now it's like you kind of have to be more appealing to the the you know the not not just the purse strings i think i think i think mm-hmm. detroit has vastly improved their position in in being able to get somebody here yeah all right cool all right we got 
two more questions, and I'm going to go out of order because the last one is a, a good rapid fire. Uh, but Tadaski wants to know which story do you see as more inspirational, Probert or McCarty? I don't want to answer this one first. I uh, want somebody <laughs> else to do that. Um, okay, I'll 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 take this one first. I think when comparing it to two, that's it's it's I think head to head, it's burning out versus fading away. And I've always gone for the burning out. I think I think Proberts is a come from nothing, play the sport at the time of what. Like like the environment that he played in and the landscape of the league, just him and Ty Domi just beating each other into submission. I think his is was as much of an inspirational story and and a, and a logical conclusion for what his life was like. I think the story's still being kind of written on McCarty because if he if he hung it up after 2008, I say yeah, McCarty's the the way to go. But like he's still struggling in some areas, so. I, I personally see the Probert story as more inspirational because he he's been everywhere. He mostly saw everything, and and he went out exactly as he did with the game. And and I I, I still miss him though. And what's weird is he's a player card in NHL 19 right now, and that's way more than what McCarty can say right now. So I'm saying Probert. Hmm. Yeah, see, I think Probert is more tragic. Yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah, yes, yes, it is. You could could draw inspiration from tragic. Absolutely, it's tragic. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, I I guess in head-to-head against McCarty, I just saw his as more, you know, it's... He's he's obviously an icon, and Probert has Probert socks in the the gift shop right now. McCarty does not. I, I I got examples like this all up and down the street. Oh, this is not a good argument. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, the thing I'm having trouble with. This one is the word inspirational, um, and, and I'm not. I'm not meaning to criticize the the, the person that wrote this. Um, you know, just with the the things that Probert struggled with, it kind of, I don't know, doesn't feel right to me to, to 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 use that word. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of makes just makes me sad uh, to think about, especially with all the, uh, you know, the, the the latest kind of round of news stories about you know brain damage, CTE, et cetera, um, and and you know the effect it can have on people. So, uh, and, and again, by, by the way, if you're listening, I, I don't mean to criticize the, the commenter. I'm just saying that's the only reason I'm having trouble with it because I'm not saying it's a bad question or anything. All right. Moving on to the very last question. Hornecker wants us to say, what is the minimum return that you would accept and trade for each player who has an expiring contract? So I'll list the player, and you just fire off your answer. Uh, let's just start with <laughs> Martin Burke. Anything we can get. <laughs> I I would like uh, – I want that to be a hockey trade. I want that to be someone comparable, just, you know – Change, change of scenery. I want. I want. I, I want that to be a, a player for player. I mean, I would. I would honestly take future considerations. I don't know. I just. I'm done with Ferk. I guess. Uh, Nick Cronwall. Jay, you start us off with this one. Uh, I would say, yeah, cur- current Cronwall. I would be happy with um, 
a pick and uh, a, a prospect, but I just, I don't know. I, I, sorry, that's not the question. I'm not going to go. I want to trade Cronwall 10 years ago, and then we have the farm, right? <laughs> we have this amazing defensive core because we offloaded Cronwall at the exactly right time. That's not the right. That's not the question. Currently, I would accept a a, a, de, a, a good prospect and, and, and a pick for Cronwall. Peter? Um, third rounder. I don't think he's getting traded, but if, if you know, assuming he, he is. Yeah, third rounder is exactly where I'm at, and that's basically uh, because I would accept that he would accept that. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thomas Vanek, Pete. Um, honestly, if we we're going to trade him, I'd take anything we can get based on what happened last time trying to trade him and his defensive liability. I think, you know, I don't know, fourth, fifth rounder, maybe <laughs> if we're going to trade him. All right. Jay. Uh, I, I think Ken Holland could work his magic again for, uh, for like a third rounder. I, th- I think that I think that could be done. He's just he's got he must have great phone voice, right? Just like hey, mm. hey, it's Ken. Hey, I just want to say I'm thinking about you, and that Vanek is freely available. <laughs> I would accept a fourth, but I would want conditions that could make it better. Can't give you more details than that because I haven't thought of them. But yeah. that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nick Jensen, Jay. Uh, I I want uh, I want meat with that. I want, <laughs> if it's not a player, I want I want high high picks. I think he's played himself into a tremendous amount of value on someone else's team. Sadly, not ours. So I want mm. either either a you know an up and coming like right on the cusp uh, prospect, not somebody that we have to develop too much that we can just like insert cleanly, or some very valuable picks. Two of them. Two very valuable picks. Peter, I'll, I'll go with three first rounders because I don't want to trade them. <laughs> I'll say the return should be at least as good as what we got for Brendan Smith. Cool. Yeah. Uh, now the the real meaty guys, uh, Jimmy Howard. Uh, first, return, Peter. Um, it, it's so tough because it's, it's it's it doesn't really seem like it's a seller's market, especially for goalies. I think I like I'd want a first by I think I think I'd be okay with a second. Um, yeah, I'd be fine with that. I I want <laughs> I want I want first round. This is we're we us getting rid of Howard means we are significantly buying into kind of spiraling a little bit. So if we're getting rid of one of the anchors that's kept us in this position in the first place, I want I want first rounds. Yeah, I want a first round, and I also want a prospect because we're probably taking back a goalie that we don't want. So yeah, that's. Uh, and I'm guessing it's going to be from Calgary. So mm. they're Calgary's first rounder and a prospect. I have no idea what their prospect pool looks like. Final one, Jay, what are you going to take for Gustav Nyquist at a minimum? 
At a minimum. Oh, I want, um, oh gosh, there's, oh man, I, I, at minimum, I want that to be a, um, I don't know, I, I want a, uh, j- just like with, with, with Jensen, I would want a, a very attractive pick plus a on the cusp, um, a winger prospect, somebody that, you know, like I, I don't mind putting work into it, but I think I think he's worth a player. He's definitely worth somebody that's like, listen, like you're getting rid of Gus, uh, you know, like uh, we'll, we'll throw you somebody. He's he can he can do something, but obviously it's the he can do something, but we'll just pad this offer out with you have a very nice pick. So at minimum, player and very nice prospect, a uh, pick, very nice pick. <laughs> Peter. Uh, I would say the minimum would be what we got for Tatar. Ooh, at a minimum. Wow. Yeah. Tatar Ooh. came with an extra term. I would take less than, yeah. than what we got for Tatar, but not not a lot. I want to say a first and a, and a second, and then I think the second should have to be from, like, maybe a non-contender. Mm. So, I don't know. Mm. Mm. I'm down for that. Cool. All right, robot lady just gave me the warning. We're running out of time, so I'm gonna hand it back to you. All right, and you gotta get us out of here quick. All right, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, for Jay and JJ, I am Peter. Uh, we are signing off for another episode, and we will be back to you soon. Have a great night. I'm winging it.